BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Bedhead listeners. Best of Chicago voting ends January 14th at 11.59 p.m. That means there is still time to cast your ballot for 2023 Best of Chicago, presented by Lincoln Park Zoo. With over 300 categories to vote for, you can show love to your favorite small businesses, social media personalities, music venues, hairdressers, sports leagues, vintage shops, dive bars, and so much more. You can vote for Pat Whalen for the best Pat Whalen. Visit chicagoreader.com backslash best to submit your votes today. It's Friday, January the 12th, and your Ben Jarofsky show starts now. Today on the show for Oh What a Week, Ben welcomes a guest. You can find him on Instagram at best evening ever, Pat Whalen. The Ben Jarofsky show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, You want to know what's going on in politics around the city of Chicago? You want to know what's going on in arts around the city of Chicago? Well, you need to head to chicagoreader.com. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, he's there too. Just head to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MJ Friday, and here's why. Actually, it's Oh What a Week Friday, and uh, the aforementioned uh, Pat Whalen is comedian extraordinaire, great political thinker, is sitting by. Uh, and the Ben Jarofsky Show designated watcher of Sunday morning talk shows. Yes, it's a job he has. It's a job he willingly accepted. It's a job we pay enormously for. You know, uh, <laughs> I got uh, an omelet out of it. Uh, he got an Emmy. Ladies and gentlemen, he's going to get an Emmy out of it. Yes, an Emmy. We'll talk about that in a little while. But before we do that, I just must address something here. My beloved Bright One, home delivery. This is hilarious. And I know I'm mixing all. No, I'm going to talk sports in front of my political junkie crowd. But anyway, my beloved Chicago Bulls. Everybody knows I love the Chicago Bulls basketball team more than life itself. Uh, having not had much success on the court of this century, uh, have decided, I know what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to fire up our fans with a little nostalgia. We're going to create something called the Ring of Honor. And the Ring of Honor will honor all the Bulls who are in the Hall of Fame and all the Bulls who are from the 1995-96 uh, team that won 72 games and a national champ- a, 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 the NBA t- championship. It's one of the greatest teams in sports history, any sports. Uh, and if you're a longtime Bulls fan, you're probably a Bulls fan because of that team. I would go so far as to say 50% of the people who say they're Bulls fans are really just Michael Jordan fans. And this was the team that had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. They they combined, like, they brought in people who had, who had no interest in basketball whatsoever with those three superstars. And they became an international phenomenon. Uh, and they 
ran through the league. Uh, only a couple of terrible calls by referees that I still remember and still have not gotten over have prevented them from having 74 wins. <laughs> only I. Sometimes at night I go, Hugh Hollins, that call against the Pacers was outrageous. No, listeners, I'm not talking about the 94 call Hugh Hollins made in the Knicks game. I'm talking about a call in 96 against the Bulls when they're playing the Pacers. Look it up. Don't look it up. Don't care. Who cares? Anyway, the point is they're one of the greatest teams ever. And so the Bulls, the current Bulls, said, I know what we'll do. People are losing interest in our team. There's talk about blowing up our team. What we'll do is have a ring of honor and invite them back. <laughs> well, it's like Peyton Place with the Bulls. The big three, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen are in the outs. It began when Scottie Pippen denounced Michael Jordan because he felt Michael Jordan didn't give him and Scottie Pippen enough credit for the Bulls championships. Then it really got exacerbated when the story broke that one of Michael Jordan's sons was dating Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. Hello, dysfunction. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so now, I mean, it's like, don't invite them to the same Seder. Don't invite them to the same (laughs) (laughs) Don't invite them to the same Christmas party, Thanksgiving dinner. Fill in whatever you want, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, who knows where Dennis Rodman is. So they have that Ring of Honor ceremony yesterday. They invite back all the Bulls from the 95-96 team. People, Bulls guys coming from all over the world. And guess who doesn't come? The big three stars. <laughs> Jordan's not there. Pippen's not there. Rodman's not there. And Pat Whalen's not there. The four big stars, if you got Pat Whalen. I was and, I was hanging out with Carmen Electra, to be fair. Very good. Showing a little Rodman knowledge there. I got to give him credit. You know, when, whenever I write him off when it comes to uh, basketball trivia. Uh, so anyway, the Sun-Times had a field day with this. Some when it comes to covering the Bulls, the Sun Times is like so jaded and cynical. You take their political coverage, take it a million steps up. They're like their guy got like a cigarette dangling out of his mouth, a glass of whiskey. God, I don't believe any of this shit. I'm a jaded sports writer. Nothing matters. It's Joe Colley writes for the Sun Times, covers the Bulls. I hate the Bulls. I hate their fans. I hate everything. Oh my God. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a different thing. Anyway, so here's the headline. Patrick, I'm going to show you this. They dug up some photo of Michael Jordan crying. Did you see that young so Patrick? That, that is, so I can, I can explain the photo choice if you'd like, Ben. I can add some context. You actually know where this photo comes from? I do, Ben. It's it's a very popular meme format. So you know what a meme is. Oh, duh, Ben. Uh, can we un- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about how you don't use Twitter, so this Wait, all works. Out. So this is AI? If, this is like a manufactured photo? No, 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 no. Cry? It's a real photo. It's a real photo, but it's a photo that people use in a meme format to indicate how sad they are, because the man has a lot of tears in that photo, as you'll notice. Uh, Chris, can we take all of this out so I don't look as dumb <laughs> as I look? <laughs> Just let's edit this out. Helpless. We don't edit on the Ben Jarofsky show, even if this the host looks dumb. All right. You're absolutely correct. I actually, as soon as you said, that, I go, oh, yeah, I've seen this in other places. When I, but so at one point, Michael Jordan was crying. I don't know why he was crying. I don't know. So I, 
I, and so I'm assuming the photo is uh, a real photo and not something manufactured. Okay. Patrick Whaling is nodding his head like he knows. <laughs> this is like Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. I'm accepting Patrick Whalen's testimony about basketball. Like you, you guys out there, you think I'm dumb? You see something on Twitter and you think, I, I saw it on Twitter, Ben. It must be real. <laughs> I believe everything I see on Twitter. Anyway, so Jordan's crying in this photo, as as Pat says. This is a very popular meme. Uh, and uh, so, again, the ceremony is called Ring of Honor, okay? Uh, and uh, <laughs> like a ring of men, only they're honored. And the headline in my beloved bright one is Ring Dings. Uh, and then there's – it's underneath this photo of Jordan sobbing, crying, tears streaming down his face. And the headline is Bulls Ring of Honor off to bad start with Jordan Pippen Rodman, MIA, MIA for red carpet event. I don't know. Bad start. I mean, Joey, come on. Joe Cowley uh, and uh, uh, Annie Costabile. I don't know. Bad start. I mean, yeah, okay. The big three weren't there. That's true. But I don't know. The other guys were having fun. What? They don't matter? <laughs> Tony Kukoc, oh, he doesn't matter. Ronnie Harper, no, he doesn't matter. I don't start. But I don't blame the bright one for doing that because you know what? They don't want to be used. That's what they're saying. Don't use us for your publicity efforts, Chicago Bulls. We're not falling for it. We're not going to do give you uh, unfiltered publicity. We only do that for the Bears. <laughs> Page after page after page of breathless cover and coverage of my beloved bright one dedicated to the Chicago Bears. If Justin Fields belches, it's back page, front page news in the Sun Times. Fields belches details to on page 44. So, anyway, yeah, the bright one's not falling for it. And uh, I, of course, sentimental old Bulls fan that I am really enjoyed this. I'm, hey, listen, man, I understand Jordan and Pippen don't get along. Who knows where Dennis Rodman is? Um, you know, and also there, I mean, I don't know. Did they get paid to show up? I mean, you know, right. If you're a superstar, don't you want to get paid? I don't know if they got paid. Oh, I'm just going to show up. I got paid to play for you. I didn't get paid to show up at this ceremony. Yeah. If anyone's hurting for money, it's Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> Poor guy can't sell his house. He's been trying to sell his house for 20 years. Oh, my God. Um, you know, uh, yeah, that poor house. He's got this mansion, ladies and gentlemen, in, uh, I want to say Highland Park. Don't quote me, ladies and gentlemen. I think it's in Highland Park. Could be Deerfield. Who knows? And really, what's the difference? All right? <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, what's the difference? You know, seriously. Even people in Deerfield will agree. Actually, that's North Shore, Pat. So they got that line. Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. Ready to go to high school. Come on. Let's hear it. I'm just saying, man, I learned this. Like, I learned this, like, about 1970 or so. People in Wilmette, people on the east side, follow me on this, ladies and gentlemen, of Green Bay Road think they're superior to people on the west side of Green Bay Road. Guys, no difference. You're all living Wilmette and Winnetka. Your kids are all going to go to New Trier. There's no, you're not superior if you live a, no, Ben. Like they're old. They're old Wilmette. You know what I'm saying? Old Wilmette as opposed to. I like that abbreviation you just created inadvertently, though. Will Wilmette. That's interesting. Maybe that'll <laughs> catch on. I think that was just me stumbling over my words. But I'm going to pretend like I really knew what I was doing. 
anyway, uh, yes, Michael Jordan has that home in Highland Park, and he can't sell it. And you know what, Bulls? Here's what I suggest. Um, I, th- I suggest you buy the home. Just buy it. Turn it into a museum. And, uh, yeah, you know, and then Michael will be happy. You get it all. You do two things. One, you'll win his allegiance back. Two, you like, you can have a museum. You could turn it into like an Airbnb. People, hey, go live in the in the in the in the gym where Michael once put up his shots, where he used to work out. Uh, actually, that idea I got to admit, uh, Pat uh, Juwan Hall. Shout out to you. I stole his idea. It was Juwan Hall's idea to sell the house. I was going to try to pass it off as my own, but Pat, I have too much honor to do that. It's big of you, Ben. It's yeah. big of you. It, it's you're 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 bigger than. Then Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman, because they they can't even go back and help out their their old stomping grounds. Yeah. But you return yeah. a joke. Yes, uh, Juwan Hall, shout out to you. Uh, who Juwan will be coming on the show, ladies and gentlemen? I think in a couple of weeks to discuss this in greater detail. All right, Pat Whalen, a great comedian, dear friend of this show, brilliant political observer, uh, and uh, host of a show whose name I can't remember. I'm just going to call it the Pat Whalen show. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, it should be the Pat Whalen show, but you yeah. had a different name for it. It's the uh, Pat Whalen vanity project. Actually. That's, that's what, that's the working title. Uh, yeah. I used to do that show on a regular basis. And then you said, uh, I'm taking a vacation and now I, apparently the show will be coming back. Am I correct about that? We, we are, we're, we're getting back on the horse. Um, we had to wake the horse up and uh, wean it off tranquilizers, but, um, you know, I, I know a great pharmacist that that's going to hook me up with my own prescription so I can calm down while surfing Twitter long enough to write some, some jokes and some anecdotes and, uh, interview some political movers and shakers in person around the city of Chicago. So, so stay tuned. No, I, uh, you had, uh, a governor JB Pritzker on the stage uh, this is the old uh, hideout days, and uh, I remember Timmy Tutton back in the days when we did First Tuesday at, at, at Hideout. Uh, shout out Timmy Tutton. I'm, you know, uh, had my issues with young Timothy, but uh, I'll never forget this one. He he did have kind of a sense of humor. He was introducing our show First Tuesday, and he goes, "By the way, Pat Whalen's getting JB Pritzker. Hey Ben, <laughs> have you ever gotten JB? He's gonna start throwing down." We never I did our it. dueling banjos bit, Ben. We got we to do it. Your last show, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm probably wrong, was at the Wiener Circle, and you had Stacey Davis Gates. Am I correct? So that was our second to last show. Our actual last show was uh, Christina Passioni Zayas, Dr. Senator Christina Passioni Zayas, first Deputy Chief of Staff to Mayor Brandon Johnson, at Steppenwolf Theater Company. So, but wow. they, they were both within about a, a week or 10 days of each other. So I, I forgive you for your, uh, your, your miss, 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 miss remembrance there. Okay. So for 10 trivia points, how do lefties identify Ms. Zayas? They do it. They have their, their own little code for her. Go ahead. Uh, she wears a name tag. Oh, how do they identify her? Like what, what do they call her? Yeah. When, like it, when they're in conversation, they're yes. talking about her. This is like it, like inside the Brandon Johnson administration lefties, and they're letting you know how inside the administration they are, and they they have these little references to other inside players. Which of course, it's like for me, huh? Who? What? So I what mean, do they? You go ahead. You can do it. 
Uh, I believe both on the fifth floor of City Hall and in Springfield, she's referred to as CPZ, but I call her Dr. Senator. Excellent. That is very good for knowing that uh, because she's a doctor and a senator. And oh. uh, is she the kind of doctor that can like help you? Oh, my God is acting up. Not that kind of doctor. Uh, if you're interested in social work, yeah, she can help you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can social work help with my gout? Hmm, interesting question. Uh, anyway, so do you have a date as to when you're going to bring your show back, or is it just still in formation? It, it's in formation. We got a lot of uh, feelers out right now. Um, I'm I'm interested in uh, talking to folks uh, specifically leading up to uh, August when we will be hosting the Democratic National Convention here in the city of Chicago. So we're we're, we're trying to get it together here and stay focused on city issues specifically but you know a lot of city issues touch on other parts of the state and even the country at these days so we're, we are formulating ben we are we are right. in a stay tuned uh circle circ- circling uh formation so all right let me address the national convention uh, since you raised the subject uh i have already made plans not to be in chicago uh on that week uh and uh it's the same week i always leave town and i'm not going to change it because of the democratic convention help me out with this pat maybe you have a different point of view and if you do express it i am filled with dread at the thought of the democratic national convention uh coming to chicago uh the democrats are a party right now that seem to be to put it mildly in disarray uh they've lost much of their base or they've angered uh much of their base with their policy regarding embracing uh netanyahu in israel uh, at the same time, I don't see uh, any I can't see any part of the Democratic Party rallying uh, with joy uh, at the prospect of Joe Biden as being the nominee. And so I just have a feeling that the Democratic Convention will be a magnet for every protester in the world. Uh, possible recreation of 1968. God, am I filled with dread today? Uh, and so I just going to be out of town when it goes down. Uh, respond, young Patrick, by telling me uh, how um, how wrong I am. Uh, if you want to, go ahead. Um, wrong if I want to tell you you're wrong. If I well, I never want to tell you you're wrong, Ben, because more often than not, you are not wrong. But I think that uh, if if folks are shutting down traffic in both directions on Dusaba Lakeshore Drive, in front of Senator Dick Durbin's house, in an effort to bring attention to a ceasefire. When he is the only senator in the uh, United States Senate who has called for a ceasefire, then I think the potential for uh, protests that really gum up the works in in terms of car traffic and I don't know public transit. I mean, you know, it's a new day. You know, kind of old ways, but a, a new day. I mean, are they going to, you know, charge up the hill in in front of the Hilton and Grant Park? I, I don't know about that, but. Um, it is clearly a very contentious time in 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 the Democratic Party, and I, I think it's a real test for them to um, implement big tent methodology. You know, if if the idea is that we want to hear from everyone and we all need to rally and, and coalesce in an effort to beat Donald Trump at the ballot box, God forbid, um, then we need to do that. But you know, I think at the same time, um, the the geopolitical uh, realities of uh, you know, this all leads back to Iran for me. I don't, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. But at the end of the day, both Hamas and the Houthi rebels in Yemen are being funded by Iran. Uh, Iran sees the commercial freighter 
just yesterday, I believe, off off the coast of Iran. Uh, the Houthi rebels are shutting down shipping lanes in the Red Sea. I mean, the global ramifications of uh, on the on the global economy are are going to be very serious. So, how to have a conversation with people like that who are really only concerned with, especially that that protest that shut down Lakeshore Drive last weekend with their relatives who live in, in Gaza and in Palestine who, who are being eradicated. Um, they don't really care about shipping lanes, do they? But, but the white house has to. So this, it's a very difficult time to facilitate a conversation over, over all these extremely complicated, but interconnected issues. And it's going to come to a head in August right here in the windy city. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, I guess I'm a coward. I'll be, uh, not in the windy city. Uh, and by the way, I took a deep dive conversation with David Ferris on many of these issues. That was a great riff by Patrick Whalen. Uh, so if you want to listen to that one, uh, just look at the, the David Ferris interview that drops uh, this weekend. And he takes a deep dive on many of the issues that Patrick addressed. All right. Um, I mean, ben, I haven't seen you since the new year. I mean, I, I could start a little lighter because you know that they always focus on the first city hall marriage of the new year. Every year they, they focus on the clerk's office. I think it's the clerk's office that facilitates the weddings at city hall and, and the first marriage of 2024, the couple who got married met here in Chicago at a bus stop and they met complaining about the CTA. And now if that isn't the recipe for a strong relationship in this city, that is a match made in Chicago, um, man. So I think it's a great place for the city to start and kick off the year. Uh, I'm going to push back with you. I, I did not know that. Uh, so I'm glad you shared that. It's with true. I, that's honest to God. Uh, so I'm going to push back a little bit and remind you that I have seen you since the first of the year. In fact, I saw oh. you. <laughs> and I thought I was the old guy in the, uh, <laughs> in the podcast who has no memory. I was I, earlier. I, I didn't say I, I won an Emmy. I said, I got an omelet out of it. <laughs> I got an omelet out of our, our exchange. Uh, uh, we'll get into the Emmy thing in a little bit. Uh, but Pat and I met, uh, as I said yesterday in the show, uh, at my favorite restaurant. I love Early Morning Delight. It's my, I love that place so much. Uh, and um, we we met to plan this show. Uh, but we actually, and we'll get into this, uh, I really, it was a very educational moment for me because it was a learning moment because Pat showed me how Twitter worked. Uh, and then the light went on. And I, I realized I've been in the dark uh, for 20 years, which is really a bad place to be if you think that you're following stuff uh, in the universe. And I realized how worse we all are because of Twitter and how mindless it actually is. When I saw it actually playing out, I realized, folks, you have dedicated yourself to something that's far more mindless than me following passionately the Chicago Bulls and the Bears. I would argue, I would submit to you, all you people who are on Twitter, should be ashamed of yourself. It's, it's, oh my God, it's like this cesspool. Anyway, uh, that tutorial took place at breakfast uh, where uh, Patrick ordered the omelet without olives. Greek omelet, yeah. The, the Greek omelet without olives. And I ordered the mushroom skillet without tomatoes. And I went to this whole thing about how I hate tomatoes. I cannot stand the sight of tomatoes in my omelet. So no tomatoes. And, and the, and the I, I, For your listener, I asked, is it taste or texture? And he stopped cold and was like, we can't get into it. And I was like, holy shit, this guy hates tomatoes. I mean, he really hates tomatoes. It's personal. I think a tomato like tripped you down the stairs when you're a kid or something. 
taste or texture. It was true. He threw that at me. Like, he stopped cold. He dead. And he looked me in the eye and he's like, we can't get into this. I was like, damn. Okay. But no, that was okay. So I believe, uh, unlike a lot of people, that when asked a, qu- a good question, one should think about one's response. Uh, and this then, is why you you'd never work on Twitter. Yeah, you you, you just got to shoot from the hip. Yeah, I would never work. I would never be a politician. So, for instance, let's say that question was posed to Governor Pritzker. Let's just say Governor Pritzker, do you not like tomatoes because the taste and the texture? In his mind, he would be calculating the political risk of if he says taste or if he says texture, and and then he would have that. In a split second, that's how smart J.B. Pritzker is. That's how good he is as a politician. And then he would start dancing and dodging and avoiding and evading and answering in such a magical way that the listener, that the questioner would forget what it was that he asked. And they would, let's just move on. Whereas Tony Preckwinkle, if posed with that question, taste or texture, would say, I think it's going to snow today. A totally, an answer has nothing to do with the topic. That's Tony Preckwinkle's not very subtle way of. Anyway, it's a combination of taste and texture. Anyway, so this this waiter, who's one of the great deadpan comedians of all time, returns with our steaming hot platters. Pat's Greek omelet, my mushroom skillet, and he goes, he puts it down, and he goes. So I uh, enjoy the extra tomatoes and olives to which Pat and I go, have a, have a, what? what? We both literally in unison look down at our plates, do not recognize that he's joking, and look up at him like, we're going to have a problem here. And, and then, then simultaneously that. realize this guy's messing with us. Yes. And he had that little, little grin on he, his face. He got us. And he <laughs> loved getting us. <laughs> he's like, mm-mm-mm. Anyway, that was a good time was had. Uh, so Twitter. All right. Uh, so as you pointed out to me and you showed me, uh, Twitter is essentially a computer feeding you news that that computer has figured out you want to see. It's not even news. It's just little like the updates that you want to see. So it's constantly having your brain jolted. Uh, you're completely manipulated. Uh, you're at the mercy of of a computer that has like read your past. Uh, There's no opportunity for growth. It's just raw stimulation, electric jolts for the sake of electric jolts. And then people who are caught in the Twitter game then respond. And then you introduced me to a Twitter feud between, I think it was Marianne Ahern and Stacey Davis Gates, which blew my mind that two extremely busy and smart and intelligent people would waste their time. Wait, come on, Stacy! You got better things to do. Marianne Ahern, they're like trash talking each other and stuff on Twitter. Cut it out. Anyway, uh, it just convinced me, uh, thanks to your uh, education, that um, this is a very insidious and dangerous feature. This is a very, I would say it's probably responsible as much as anything else for the rise of Donald Trump and fascism in the United States. Your response defending Twitter, go. Well, yeah, I think uh, it, there's a, there's an argument to be made that Twitter itself is insidious. I wouldn't exactly call it a computer. I'd call it more an algorithm. And so any sort of you know electronic uh internet connected device uh or platform that you use like 
If you go on the Sun-Times website and you read an article there, you're going to see a banner ad, and that banner ad is based on your history on the internet. It's it, All of this data is out there. If the if the the, the tagline is if the, if the product or the service is free, you are the product, which means that your data, your personal data that you are putting online, you know, unknowingly, unbeknownst to you, is being leached and studied by people and algorithms to try to figure out basically how to sell you stuff is how it is. But I, I, I look at Twitter like a knife, okay? Like you can use a knife to cut a tomato which you would do or you'd cut it in and then throw it out the window uh and i can use twitter to spread peanut butter on on my toast in the morning or i could stab another tomato with it you know a, a knife is a tool a, a knife is based on your intent and your your usage of it it can be used for vastly different things but the reason i use twitter is because i instantly know when things are happening, when they happen. And so I pay very close attention to Chicago and certain national uh, reporters specifically, not even outlets. A lot of people will get notifications from outlets when outlets publish an article about something, but I find it more interesting and more informative to follow individual reporters because they're not being edited on Twitter, right? They don't have an editor who says, you don't need this, you don't need that. Um, they're, they're giving their raw you know, experience. And you see this on TikTok and Instagram and, and, and Twitter and as well. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Ben, I mean, you know, how, how did you find out that Governor Pritzker sent a letter to Greg Abbott of Texas today? How, how'd you find that out? You told I me. I told you because 10 minutes after I saw it on Twitter, I told you. Yeah. And so, it, it has to do with the speed of information for me, which has to do with analysis and, and keeping up with issues. And the other thing is, for, for me, I understand why people don't want to use it. And Elon Musk is just just a just a dummy, just the dumbest. He blew so much money just in branding and, and the worth of that brand by changing the name, even though the website is still Twitter.com, but it's called X. It doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm pretty convinced he's he's trying to run it into the ground. Um, but the use of Twitter, I really think, is uh, the, the free exchange of, of information, of uncensored information. And that's what the Internet was supposed to be for. It was supposed to be built as a way to trade knowledge uh, unfettered, you know, w- without censorship, without ed- editorialization. Um, that was the idea behind the Internet. And Twitter was about as close as, as we got to that sort of thing. So I, I understand the nefarious purposes it can be used for and the effect and th- that it had in, in the rise of Donald Trump and the continued rise of Donald Trump. Um, but not using it doesn't mean it's going to leave. So I'm one of those guys who says until I can't go on Twitter and find out what I want to know when I want to know it and trust the sources I get it from, well, there you I'm going to keep using it because that's there, the usage of it for me. And a lot of people go on and say, I had ice cream. And they post a picture. Like, I don't do that shit. I don't care. Okay. All right. So let's put aside the I had ice cream guys, where I think probably more valuable uh, when they post, I had ice cream, uh, than watching a spat between Marianne Ahern and SDG, who both should know better. Um, and well, I uh, mean, real quick, Ben, eyeballs is influence. And the, and the fact of the matter is that billions of, not billions, hundreds of millions of people use Twitter every day. And so a good way to reach people instantly when something like that happens is by using it. But please, I, I, I defer. Okay. Uh, so 
I hear what you're saying about uh, instant updates. I, 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 I have been there, and there are impulses we have where we need to know something so fast when we don't really don't need to know it, but we feel that we need to know it really fast. Like if we have to wait an hour, okay, that is not the end of the world. But when you're driven by the algorithm, I call it a computer, you call it an algorithm, whatever. If you're driven by this robot, this non-human impulse driving machine, if you're driven by that, if it's motivating you, it's that, that jolt, then you feel compelled to know something an hour before you would just ordinarily know it. To give you an example, I'll give you an example right now in the world of sports. If I'm following a game on the internet <laughs> and I see that a certain player uh, is uh, his minutes have not increased, I'll think, oh my God, Bobby Joe got injured and he's not playing. I will immediately Google Bobby Joe. Yes, this is a sign of my insanity. And there'll be nothing because why? Because the news business doesn't keep up with things instantaneously. If Bobby Joe pulled a muscle, they don't an instant tell you that however on twitter i'm not making this up some sports reporter will tweet out bobby joe it hurt himself so yes i could see your point if you need to know if that compulsion need to know is at the point where you're constantly looking at your phone and you're cut off from humanity then yes Live on Twitter. God bless you all, but you're weird. And you have led to Donald Trump, whether you want to admit it or not. Your response, Patrick J. Go. I, I think disconnected from humanity is a pretty bizarre thing to say about a platform that is populated exclusively by humans. <laughs> but if I when robots go. When when the, there's lots of bots, absolutely. But you, you have to be discerning. And this is why I say I, I don't follow bots and i don't follow and i i use lists i showed you lists yesterday and while you are right the homepage and the targeted ads and the algorithm is absolutely geared towards a pavlovian response from you that is going to keep you from putting down your phone but it, it is not for me the instant compulsion and needing to be feed, fed into it's about knowing the right answer because for every right true answer there are 15 lies that are being spun by people on this platform on and off the platform, which is the hardest part. So if I see on television that someone said something and I want to know if it's true, I can I follow 15 different congressional reporters that just follow lawmakers around the Capitol all day. And they're standing right in front of the guy and they'll tweet out. He said this. He did not say that. So that it's really it's not about knowing first for me. It's about knowing the truth. And that is, again, what I get it, why I use it and what I get out of it. And that, that's that's why I'm so committed to the platform. All right. Uh, to that immediate point before the show, uh, you were telling me I was asking for updates uh, from Twitter and you read to me something that someone I have no idea who it was. It doesn't matter. Wrote quoting Brandon Johnson regarding Israel. And it was a quote from March of 2023. Uh, and just stripped raw from whatever the context of what it was that Brandon Johnson said it on and employed right now as a weapon against Brandon Johnson. And if that isn't deceit and distortion, I don't know what it is. Uh, and if thousands and thousands of Twitter heads share that, 
then they're doing themselves a disservice. So there is no thought. There is no context. There is no truth. It's just raw weaponry. But that, that's not true, Ben. That's not true. Because what, what they posted was the link to the article that all I needed to do was click and see the date that it was published. Now, a lot of people won't take that next Thank step. You. And then they'll publish a lot. Absolutely. Oh, but my God. A lot of people? You're the only one. Go. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I, well, I'm not the only one, but there there are a lot of people who use the platform for that way. But I don't use it as a means of influencing those people. I do it so I know what's true. That's what's important to me, that I have the context so that when I see other others manipulating that line of argument down the road, I can go back to the source and say, yeah, but when's that article from? Mm-hmm. And cut through all the, the bullshit of their entire argument. And like, this is a very, you know, a very tailored instance and situation that we're talking about here but writ large i'm telling you it's 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 worth it and the other thing is i've been using it for 10 years you can't pick this up and start using it the way i do after a a decade of use and i also don't endorse the level of plugged in that i am i don't don't know if that's any good for anyone but in an age where literally anything can happen i like being able to know that i can find someone who is reporting on this topic in this region of the world and get a straight answer before most people. It's comforting to me. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and allow me to point out a couple of things in the, in the moment of confession. I am complete hypocrite. I admit that right now. Uh, so yeah, I don't bother with Twitter. I'm above Twitter. I don't even have a Twitter account. I, I do have one. I don't know where, I don't know how to access it. It was a, a reader editor many, many years ago made me get a Twitter account. And I'm like, so I'm one of like the millions of Twitter account users. I have no idea how to access it. I've never looked at it. I mean, I don't know if that makes you a hypocrite. Well, no, here's the hypocrisy. I am lap up like a dog, a thirsty dog with water. Whenever one of like, there's three Twitter users in my life who routinely send me Twitter stuff. One is Patrick J. Whalen. The other is listener Frank. And Moise out there, I see you, who uh, he, they, they send me Twitter stuff all the time. Do I go, no, I am not reading this because I'm a, but no, I'm like, what does it say? <laughs> I feel that impulse. I feel that jolt. I, I reckon, uh-oh, if I go down this road, it's all over with me. Uh, so, yes, I'm a total hippo. And also, here's the ending. I'm just going to be flat out honest about this, ladies and gentlemen, because I encourage my guests to be honest. I got to be honest with you. I am very jealous of Patrick J. Whalen. He put out a little tweet about a year ago. I think it was during a hot day. <laughs> he showed it to me. It's a picture of the bean melted and he created it. Like he spent time doing it and it's really well done. And it's just showing how hot it is in Chicago. That was viewed 2.5 million times. Ladies and gentlemen, my little brain just went boom and 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 what did we talk about we said sure that's a massive number which is cool like something i made got viewed by two million people we don't know how long each of those views were we don't know if they were just scrolling on their timeline and went right by it because that counts as a view on twitter if it shows up on your screen yeah it doesn't they don't ask if your eyeballs read it they just ask if it was on your home screen it doesn't mean anything the other thing is what does that get me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's one tweet that I did one time 
and 2.5 million people viewed it. And, you know, bringing a little levity to people, it's what I try to do while informing them. But, no. you know, the, you, please. But I hope you agree with me on this point I'm about to make. The anguish cries of MAGA, which existed uh, mainly up until the time uh, Musk bought Twitter, that somehow or other they were at a huge disadvantage because the Twitter algorithms, the robots, the computers that uh, ran this operation were programmed against them so they couldn't spread their message, was the biggest bunch of baby whimpering, bigger, greater than even Donald Trump crying yesterday uh, about the judge in his business fraud case where he clearly committed business fraud. What babies? You guys spread your word? Your fascist movement has never been stronger. What do you want? Remember they were complaining. They were going to Joe Rogan show. I don't know if you ever saw these things. I think I'm the only guy who's watching. Oh, yeah. Watching. No, no. This was they were big. going to Joe Rogan show big. sobbing. And I'm like, oh, Twitter, the algorithm. I'm like, dude, you're in the Joe Rogan show. There's like 20 million morons listening to you right now. That's not, you want more? How can you possibly have more? So this, I, you go ahead. No, this is kind of why it's what kind of why I dig my heels in on 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 the on the platform and what I use it for because this is the spin. This is the spin that happens. And what you can find is someone who's a data reporter or a tech reporter that is talking to people off the record who worked at Twitter at the time who were telling them about how the algorithm works and and the, the exact the data of why what they were saying was not true about their influence. And so to be able to cut through that horseshit is one part. The other part is that the game is played whether you watch it or not, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't watch a football game, they're still out there and they're going to play. So we can stick our heads in the ground like a flamingo. It's a weird <laughs> reference. But for me, I'm, I'm not letting go for that reason. I, I hope that because I do, I do agree. They were on Joe Rogan's podcast saying no one <laughs> listens to me. It's fucking horseshit. <laughs> horseshit. But – the, the, the other thing is, you know, this, this could be a segue. It's up to you. You're the host. But before the Sunday shows, I watched the Friday shows. And the Friday shows for me, I love Brooks and Capehart. It's David Brooks and John Capehart uh, go head-to-head -head on uh, News Hour every Friday. I look forward to it all week. And, and Politics Monday is good, too, with Amy Walter. But I'll, I, I digress. But after News Hour and Chicago Tonight Week in Review, shout out Parachutes, um, there is uh, Washington Week, which is a, a roundtable analysis show uh, with reporters that started with Gwen Ifill and then was Robert Costa and then Michelle Cinder and is now called Washington Week with the Atlantic. Washington Week with Gwen Ifill and Robert Costa was this host who is a reporter sitting at a table with other reporters discussing what happened this week what might happen as a result of that ne next week and why it might not happen. Right. So we, it's Washington week. What happened in Washington this week? How does it affect you as an American Washington week with the Atlantic, which is what we have now, much less reporting, less reporters, more writers, more analysis. So what's the difference between reporting and analysis analysis is, Hey, fucking who knows? Maybe we get hit by a meteor next week. You know, maybe maybe Mike Johnson falls down the stairs and breaks his neck. Maybe Donald Trump will get in a hot air balloon and, and ride around Iowa, yeah. scooping up 
votes. You know, uh-huh. and analysis is anything can happen. Reporting uh-huh. is what actually happened. Okay. And there's a huge difference in that for me. And I struggle in that with Washington Week because the change is it's really it gets to me. It's it's under my eyeballs, scritching a little bit. Um, um but that, that again, it's just part of the Twitter thing that I'm talking wow. about. There's okay, analysis wow. and reporting. Uh, that was a riff that came out of absolutely nowhere uh, that I think, Pat, you've been waiting to deliver for months and you did a great job. My poor wife, my poor <laughs> wife gets it every week, every week. I have to pause it and say, do you say what they're doing? Uh, uh, reporting versus analysis. No, oh, there are so many reporters in the city of Chicago who te- mercilessly tease me. But all you writers columns, it's just your opinions. <laughs> I mean, laugh. Hey, I want to see you write. I want a coherent column out of you with your opinion. You're afraid to even share your opinion. I have no opinions. I am an objective reporter. But what's your opinion based on, Ben? Is it based on whim? Is it based on your feelings? Or do you base it on fact? I feel like you read something that actually happened and you formulate your opinion based on the truth and what actually happened. As opposed to, I feel like the city is less safe. Yes. Well, it's okay. That that was, um, oh my God, I urge everybody to check out the Peter Cunningham interview we did uh, on that very subject. That, I mean, that's just like an example. Uh, so th- that is a great example. So like the whole notion of crime in Chicago, it, it gets into the, uh, uh, you're at reporting versus feelings. Um, and so it, the reporting would dig out the the statistics which would show that shootings and murders uh, are, are shootings and homicides are down. They're down nationwide. Something is going on out there. So uh, re- you would have that reporting and then the analysis would follow as you try to figure out uh, what, what it means. And that's what Peter Cunningham and I were trying to struggling to do uh, about a week ago or so. Um, your feelings, it gets into, uh, what I was talking about earlier today before you, like the way we report the weather in Chicago. Like, so the the way the weather is reported in the city of Chicago, and this is a black club I see you, is to scare the hell out of people with the worst possible thing that could remotely happen because that will get people to respond. And I and believe that, that worst thing when that doesn't happen, people get all bent out of shape and say, why even bother with meteorology anymore? Yeah, there's a a price to be. You're absolutely correct. There's a price to be paid for overhyping the danger of the weather. You're absolutely correct. Because the truth of the matter, I don't mean to cut you up. But the truth of the matter is that actual meteorologists gave a spectrum of yeah. what could happen based right. on predictive technology, but what got people's attention was reporting that said we're going to get eight inches of the of icicles are going to fly out of the sky <laughs> at eighty miles an hour and kill you. They're going to pierce your jugular. And you're going to die while you're placing your chair out to do dips. Oh, my God. You're, you're not that far from here. I, I take the pictures. There's a couple of friends I share. I, there's a couple of friends like I, everybody has their own uh, role in my texting universe. So I kind of do Twitter. Only I do is personal texts to human beings. All right. So uh, Pat gets some of my personal. Th- but I have a friend that I share weather, black club weather. <laughs> reports with this is one person who really loves them as much as i do so here we go this is my favorite this is black club news alert 
So this is a news alert. This is like telling you something is imminent. It's about to happen. This is an alert. And it comes over your, you get it as an email. All right, here we go. News alert. Bomb cyclone snowstorm to hit. I'm like, what is a bomb cyclone? I'm like, come on, Black Club. No, I mean, that's it's a real bomb cyclones are a real thing. They happened last year in other parts of the country. They're very, very serious. Did we I don't get know. One? I don't know if we're gonna get one. I hope we don't. And then then they follow that up with today's downright dangerous winter storm hit. I love it. Downright dangerous, as opposed to everything else we've said. This one is downright dangerous. <laughs> and yet people come on. Then there's a cyclone coming. I read it in Block Club. I said, all right. I actually, I, I've been, I, uh, <laughs> I've been living in fear as a baby boomer of the weather. All right. Since you mentioned um, the Sunday talk shows, it's time to make that transition. Uh, as I said earlier, <laughs> Patrick J. Whalen watches the Sunday show- talk shows so that you don't have to, ladies and gentlemen. So you should all thank him. Uh, and if you want to, you know, donate money to him. He'll take your Zells. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I love this. Absolutely. So uh, he has a GoFundMe page. I watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> this man gets up so early on Sunday. When does it start? Like, when did this begin? Like, well, not meet the press is at nine. Oh, that's early for me. All right. All right. It's for maybe for the most of you out there. Uh, that's nothing. I'm already been up for three hours. Um, so, uh, all right, uh, what what can we expect uh, from this Sunday uh, in uh, talk show land? Well, I, I, you know, not not to backtrack too much, but last week, Kristen Welker, the new host of uh, Meet the Press, which I would love to get Tim Russert's posthumous take on Kristen Welker. I'd also like to get his take on how the Bills are going to do this Sunday, but that's neither here nor there. Um <laughs> You know, Kristen Welker last week had Elise Stefanik on, Ben. And when it comes to analysis versus reporting or Twitter being a cesspool, I think Twitter has just taken a leaf out of television's book because Kristen Welker sat there and treated Elise Stefanik like she was an adult with real live opinions based on reality. And uh, I'm not going to repeat the things that she said, but, you know, let, let your imagination run wild and it's not that crazy. Uh, to that same vein, I don't know what the lineups for Meet the Press or uh, this week with George Stephanopoulos is going to be. And, and for your listeners who don't know, I go to church. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit is Meet the Press, Face the Nation, and this week with George Stephanopoulos. God bless. Sign of the cross. Genuflect. Body of Christ compels you. Um, so I do know what Face the Nation's lineup is going to be, Ben. And, and much in the line of Elise Stefanik, I mean, this is, you know, the, so let's talk about what's happening in Washington, right? And, and, and really the country. Obviously, immigration is extremely hot right now. Even Democrats coming out on the Hill and saying the federal government needs to do something about this problem, or at least that we should not, we should stop acting like it isn't a problem, right? That's something that's happening within the Democratic Party. Obviously, the top line spending deal is trying to be negotiated by newbie Mike Johnson. Um, Nazi Ned Flanders, I like to call him, but I'm just inflammatory. I I like to make up nicknames. That's fun for me. Uh, Being shut out by Schumer and McConnell while the Senate, the grownups, are trying to actually work out a deal. And, and, you know, they give Mike Johnson Legos to play with in his office and act like the House is going to actually come up with something. And, of course, this spending deal is tied to Ukraine 
and immigration. Immigration, Ukraine, the budget. Where I think we're 10 or less than 10 days from a government right. shutdown right now, Ben. And if Congress doesn't get their act together, we are going to have at least a partial government shutdown within the next 10 days. And so this is what Congress is working on. And so Chip Roy is going to be, I believe, the first guest on Face the Nation this week. Man, Chip Roy is crazy. Chip Roy has been just the most bananas members of Congress. Congress for so long. And I actually have a soft spot in my heart for Chip Roy, because while many other people just kind of parrot stuff and say things to get their their constituents riled up, I really think Chip Roy believes. I think he's, he's getting high in his own supply, man. I, I think he is really convinced that we have to just stop funding government, and that's the only way to save America. It is bananas. It is like negotiating with terrorists. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be on Face the Nation spitting his nonsense. That'll be a lot of fun. Get this second guest, Ben. I'm going to give you all three because this is a wild, this is a wild ride. Chip Roy, Joe Manchin, joining oh. Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation this Sunday. That's going to be an interesting conversation about. I don't know what party he belongs to anymore. Yeah. If Democrats have a yeah. chance, you know, if if he wants to run for president, the spectrum of where, of where he could go and take that is bananas. And I'm interested that they've committed to this interview two or three days in advance. And the third, of course. Chris Sununu, Chris Sununu, who backed oh. Nikki Haley fairly early in this race. Uh, I don't know if you saw how cold it is in, in Iowa these days, Ben, but um, Nikki Haley this is a direct quote, man. She said uh, uh, yesterday, uh, Nikki Haley's like, I'm from Carolina. You know, I don't even know what negative 15 is. And I think she should keep her eye on the polls because she might be finding out <laughs> very soon oh. what negative 15 is. I couldn't resist, baby. I couldn't resist. I've been sitting on that one for two hours. Um so yeah, that's that's the lineup for Face the Nation. And I have guesses for the other two shows, but I mean, what 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 do you right. what's your analysis? Of so Face here's my analysis. Lineup? Okay, here's my analysis. This is analysis as opposed to reporting. Uh, and uh, <laughs> um, so let's tie two themes together. And earlier I talked about the guys who came on the Joe Rogan Show, the most popular podcast in the world. I don't know if it's not; it's right up there or in the United States. I, I think it is. That's hype. I'm hyping it, okay? Uh, but very, very popular show. And I am very jealous of Joe Rogan. I make no bones about it. He has done what I can only dream of doing. Okay. Um, so going on the most popular show in America to complain that his message is not getting out, which is one of the most ultimate acts of shamelessness that you can expect. And that is classic right-wing behavior. To cry, sob, whine that you're not get, being paid attention to while you're being paid attention to. It's classic. They do it. Johnny Cass has made a career out of it. Okay. They don't pay attention to us. Dude, you you were the most, you were the Tribune columnist on page two for like 40 years. Do you, anyway. you, know what I, you know what I learned on WTTW this week? What? John Cass invented the word dibs. He coined the phrase dibs. Time out. He may have claimed. Okay. Now, now we're going on a tangent. Reporting your analysis. This, okay. This, that is total uh, analysis, not reporting. He may have reserved the right to use the name. I have no idea what he's done with his life. But dibs, dibs has been around as a word forever. Furthermore, Johnny, if he was honest, and I, would give credit to David Mamet for Chicago Way. You know, David Mamet came up with that, not Johnny Cass. So come on, come on, Johnny. 
give credit to Mammoth. Uh, I'm not going to give him credit. I want everybody to think I said Chicago. Just don't get give me credit started. to Sean Connery. I, 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 uh, Sean I, Connery was just reading a script that someone gave him. David Mamet wrote the script. I'm pretty sure that whole movie was improvised, but I, I you know, I, maybe <laughs> like that's Larry maybe, David show. <laughs> maybe that's just analysis. All right, so I, going I, back to my brilliant. I diverted analysis. you, Ben. Please continue. Uh, yes. So think of these lineups. Think of the people who are giving access to mainstream shows. There is not a lefty anywhere in that group. Okay. So Stefanik. Congresswoman Stefanik is making a career out of herself, quote unquote, standing up against anti-Semitism by berating the three presidents of MIT, Harvard, former president of Harvard, former president of Penn, because of their gobbledygook, over-lawyered responses to her question at a congressional hearing. This is the same congresswoman looked out of the way when Nazis are marching through Virginia. So thanks for nothing, for standing up for absolutely nothing. Yeah, I would say okay. if you want to Google Elise Stefanik uh, anti-Semitism and go back to any references on Google older than like a month or two, I think you'd be interested to see what, what yeah. they have to say. Yes. So she's MAGA to the core, extreme right-wing Trump supporter. She has access. Chip Roy, you did the number on him. That guy doesn't believe in financing government. Uh, is he from Texas? I can't remember. Like, yeah, we're in Texas. Texas. Okay. Far right MAGA. Uh, Joey Manchin, Democrat in name only, is giving nightmares to the Democratic Party. Uh, far right wing guy who wants to give more money and subsidies uh, to the oil industry. Uh, Chris Sununu is represents, I suppose, what's left of what the A centrist, mi- like centrist Republican. Yeah, yeah, like mildly willing to stand up to Donald Trump. No lefty anywhere near them. No lefty anywhere near him. So now you you talk about an immigration debate. Let me ask you something. Whenever you talk about it now, when I read analysis uh, by right wingers about immigration, they talk about how Democrats call for open borders. I've heard this. I've read this. I'm trying to. I'm going to ask you this, Pat. You watch these shows, so nobody else has to. You watch. Have you ever heard a mainstream Democrat elected official call for open borders? Ever. Um. Maybe at 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 voting sites, um, but not not at not at the border of of Mexico or Canada for that matter. No, so they just like get to say whatever they want uh, and force the Democrats into a position that the Democrats don't actually have. And they say this on these mainstream. Have you ever heard uh, a host push back uh, on a right wing guest who says that Democrats stand for open borders? Margaret Brennan. Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation is not she does not suffer fools and she does not let people tell lies on her on her on her interviews on her show. She follows up and she says, well, of course, and then she'll qualify it with like, that's not true. And then she'll move on to the next question. So I Margaret Who's Brennan on Face the Nation. What about uh, your guy, George Stephanopoulos? Does he ever do that? <laughs> So George, me, George is that friend. George is that friend you had in high school who would be like, "Ugh, I don't know about Ben. What do you think about him?" Oh yeah, you know. And then he'd be like, "Oh, what? what you know? What do you what? Like, what do you think?" Oh. And like, he just chums the waters of of God, you know. Wow. And he, and he bites the side of his tongue, smiling while people say insane stuff. I think he likes to go to the mat with people and like, you know, see them face to face, quote unquote. But um. 
he, he's oh. not fact checking anyone in real time on that show. Right. I don't, well, no. I, well, that's not true. He'll do it, but he he won't do it in a way that is like about fact. It's 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 about. I think it's that kind of older school Democrat thing that worked before Trump, which was sensationalist. Yeah. So I can see why you watch it. I absolutely do. I mean, the reality is way too early for me. Uh, and uh, I'm probably not out of bed until after they're all done. Um, I could see why you watch it. I'll tell you why. Because uh, if you want to be able to factually analyze the news of the day, to mix your uh, two distinctions together, you need to hear the spin that is being put out by the two parties. That's exactly uh, but, right. And, it's a huge uh, part of why I watch because th- yeah. this is going to color the conversation for the rest of the week. That is correct. Uh, and uh, and so I totally understand uh, why you watch it. Uh, and so and and I applaud you for watching and I thank you for watching. And as I pointed out, uh, you're hugely compensated for the show by watching it. Uh, the weekly check comes in. Um, but I find most of the discourse uh, dreadful and unenlightening. Uh, and, uh, so for instance, like I can be enlightened if I listen to a conversation. we were talking about this earlier. We're going to do a whole show one day. Um, I think about, um, uh, Buckley, uh, William Buckley and his old firing lines. And we, one day we're going to do a whole show on that. Don't you think that would be a good idea, Patrick J? I do. And I, you know, I watched four shows on Sunday, actually. And the fourth is firing line with Margaret Hoover, of course, who has taken over for William F. Buckley. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the foursome. So I go back to these old William F. Buckley shows. I like the the, the give and take between Buckley, who was a, a right winger, uh, and he would bring on lefties, and there would be a, a point of debate. And I could learn something, I think, from the point of debate. And he would bring on lefties who would not usually be given access to mainstream TV. So, for instance, Noam Chomsky was a guest on William Buckley's show. And then after Chomsky mopped the floor with Buckley, that was the end of that. Uh <laughs> But at least he brought him on uh, that one time. So there are there are moments of enlightenment that I can really benefit from when I'm listening to two intelligent people go at it. Okay, uh, this is generally not what I get when I listen to uh, the uh, Sunday shows, and no. that brings me to um, this topic, uh, Rahm Emanuel. So uh, Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of the city of Chicago, heck of a job, voters on that one. Uh, well, I mean, the election was stolen, but yeah, he's not the mayor anymore right now. Yeah. Wait, which election was stolen? (laughs) The one, the one, the one he didn't run for. I see. Okay. Um, that's just a joke by, uh, Pat Whalen. So Rom is supposedly the ambassador, uh, to Japan, but he's getting bored. Supposedly. (laughs) Well, supposedly, (laughs) you know, the ambassador to Japan would reside in Tokyo, but he's always dropping, always has some reason. He happened to be in town. What? Yeah. Who, who happens to be in town? Happened yeah. to be, <laughs> he happened hey. to be in town. You know, Zoom's very popular, man. You can work from home these days. Not a problem. Yeah. He's the ambassador to Japan through Zoom. He's got an apartment on Lincoln Avenue. I just made that up. But he's always in Chicago. And then he calls, like, I don't know, Marianne Ahern. Hey, can I come on? Sure. And then the guy at WGN, I forget who the reporter was that had him on. It doesn't matter. Ben um, no, Ben Bradley tweeted about it. He was not the reporter who interviewed him. Oh. Ben Bradley. Yeah. He t- <laughs> That's a whole other story, which we discussed yesterday at great length, uh, folks, if you want to listen to it with Greg Pratt. Uh, anyway, um, so this is from uh, Rom's interview 
with Marianne Ainhurt. And this is classic Rom speak. And this is classic Sunday morning talk show speak. And uh, so now we are, I'm giving you the reporting, which is me having reported the news by reading this newspaper. And then Patrick J will give you the analysis having wow. heard. Okay. So you're wow. getting reporting and analysis. With the Iowa caucus just days away, this is uh, the NBC News summary of Rahm's appearance. Uh, finding time somehow or other. It's not so busy being an ambassador. you got time to do interviews in Chicago. Uh, with the Iowa caucus just days away, Emmanuel cautioned those who assume Donald Trump has a lock on the nomination. Quote, voters always have a curveball in their back pocket, he said. Now, that is classic, in my humble opinion, Patrick, classic, 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 saying nothing to make it look like something <laughs> Sunday morning rhetoric. Well, I'm going to push back on that conventional wisdom by saying the conventional wisdom might not be right. Back to you, George Stephanopoulos. Whoa, you're so brilliant. What analysis. <laughs> Dude, what? What's your basis for saying that? Like, do you see like a a terminating, like something in the polls that suggests that? You know what I mean? Yes, it's conceivable that the polls could be wrong. But you just saying it is just a way of trying to look smart and wise. Well, not looking, being wise or smart at all. Classic Sunday morning talk rhetoric. Your thoughts. Uh, first of all, if you got a curveball in your back pocket, it must be really hard to sit down. That's that's my first thought. That's my first thought. Curveball. Curveball in the back pocket sounds uncomfortable. Um, but you know the uh, the 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 what are they what are the what do they call it? Hang, on, give me a second. The the curveball in your back. The firehouse roundtable or something like that. They they got some phrase on this week with George Stephanopoulos like the the firehouse roundtable is coming up, you know. Da, 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 da. They got like, you know, NFL graphics playing and wow, it's going to be crazy as pyrotechnics and it's just like Donna Brazil and like, you know, and 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 a few analyses And you know, the roundtable on Stephanopoulos used to have Rom and Chris Christie. And I got to tell you, they didn't say a whole lot, but it was great television because they would just go back and forth and swing and bam, bam, bam. It was like watching a tennis match and they would just argue about stuff like this. And, you know, they, they say stuff like that so that people get worked up like you do to be like, that's baloney or no, there's something to it. You know, it, it's the whole heard it here first thing. that if you say something so out there, but yet not impossible, if, if there's a small chance it might happen, you know, you got to pay attention to us to hear more of this analysis, which might be true. Yeah. <laughs> if you give wide enough a spectrum of possibility and something in there is true, then you weren't wrong. Right. So I, I think it's a, a clever play by Ron. If anyone knows how to work the press, it's Ron Emanuel. No, it, it, uh, it, and by the way, um, I don't know. He could be held. The, voters always have a curveball in their back pocket. Uh, Ouch. I know that does hurt, but always, uh, they always, so that means you're not an election years. Yeah. (laughs) You're always walking around with that curveball. Oh, hang on. I got to run home. I forgot my curveball. I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. Pick one up for me. All right. We will close, uh, with this story, uh, that, wow. Just 
<laughs> shaking my head about it. Um, and this uh, is is from the world of sports and media. Uh, I saw it on the front page of the New York Times, and I immediately sent it uh, to Pat and a bunch of other people. And I'll sum it up this way: uh, ESPN, which is a sports network uh, for you non-sports geeks out there, uh, has a college show. Uh, college football show on Saturday and won a bunch of anim- Emmys. Well, it, oh God, folks, I can barely say this with a straight face. Um, so it, it turns, out, it turns out that uh, ESPN had to return a bunch of statue Emmys. When you get the Emmy, you have a little statue, and they had to return a bunch of the statues because they had submitted phony names uh, to uh, the Emmys uh, when asking for credit for their show. So let's imagine if the Ben Jarofsky show won an Emmy. Just, wow. Let's, let's, just, <laughs> let's just, so I wanted to like, Hmm, I want to, I want an Emmy. So, but I want to give all my regular guests statues. So I want to give a statue to Stacey Davis Gates. I want to give a statue to Jeanette Taylor. I want to give a statue to David Ferris. I want to give a statue to Ramana Hussein. I want to give a statue to Patrick J. Whalen. I want to give a statue to producer Chris. I want to give a statue to producer Nate. I want to give Dr. D a statue for being such a great guy in my life. All these, I want to give a statue to him. So what I did would do is submit a list of people who allegedly worked on the show were made up. So I would say uh, Donald Jones, a uh, camera technician, Billy Bob, a uh, sound producer, uh, Karen Carpenter. Wow, there's a real name. Karen Carpenter, makeup. And then, and then when I won my award, they would dish out 20 statues to me, and I would give it. Here you go. Like I'd have everybody come the early morning delight. We'd give out the statues and eat that delicious. Oh, my God. Mushroom skillet, no tomatoes. Uh, and... Um, so now it turns out that's what ESPN did. Patrick J, they had to return the statues. They freaking lied. They cheated. Patrick, no wonder no one trusts the media anymore. That's that's low, man. You know, a, a friend of mine uh, named AJ Lynx, she just won an Emmy because she worked on casting for The Bear. And I asked her i was like are you guys gonna rotate on you know do you sign it out like do you have like how does this work with trading around it's like no we each get one and i was like oh my god first of all i feel like such an idiot for not knowing that and second of all very cool but yeah that's that's really low man um i think it's just you know certain generations which will go nameless have a tendency of saying uh you know, that my generation or those like it get participation trophies. But I think that if you're literally lying to get a certain number of trophies, yeah. it's not about the work, the success, the, you know, the, the accomplishments that you make. It's just about the bells and whistles. It's just about showing people that you got something out of it. And that's sad because to actually win something in a category, that that's very special. And to kind of pervert it, in that way is, is really gross. Well, here, here's ESPN. They took it one step further. Follow me. And I did this, this juicy detail. So let's say a bet going back to my analogy, the Ben Jarofsky show, I submitted a, uh, uh, when I won the Emmy, I, I submitted the name of Billy Bob as sound technician. Uh, I got the statue. And then I said, Patrick, 
uh, come meet me early morning delight. We'll have the, uh, you get the uh, Greek ol- uh, omelet, no olives. I'll get the, the uh, mushroom skillet, no tomatoes. Uh, and, uh, and I will give you your statue. Well, the statue, uh, the Emmy statue was engraved Billy Bob. So yeah. what ESPN did was not making this up. They went to an engraver and that engraver changed the name from Billy Bob to Patrick J. Whalen. And That's so we would be meeting at early morning, go in between the eggs. Here you go. Here's your, and you'd see Patrick J. Whalen. You go, wow, I won. <laughs> you guys are so bad. That's low. That's low, man. And by the way, ESPN will be one reporting uh, like this about the egregious accusations against Big Ten champion Michigan and recruiting violations with Big Ten. <laughs> Meanwhile, they can't find anybody in the New York Times story. The, you know, they're calling around. Nobody's responding. To it. Could not be reached for comment. Could not be. Re- Come on out from under the desk, ESPN. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm want to get it. I mean, man, I guess I'm not eligible because it's a podcast. Uh, before I let you go, young man, anything? Any final thoughts? Anything you want to promote? Anything in the universe? Go ahead. Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. This may very well be our year. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't get to um, what I think the other topics for Sunday might be. So I'll, I'll make a few predictions for you. Go. Uh, foreign policy, Yemen and Iran, obviously Israel. Um, Hunter. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hunter and uh, the, the Mayorkas impeachment proceedings, which probably Chip Royal get into. And uh, I think I think those are my big ones. Yeah, those, those are, are my big ones for yep. this week. Yep. But uh, we, I, I will watch and I will give you my analysis when I have yes. further reporting to analyze. Ben, that's correct. Because on the Ben Jarofsky show, uh, everything is rooted in reporting. Okay, just so you know, uh, and we would not submit uh, of phony names uh, to the Emmy Award or whatever it's called for podcast. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not willing to commit to that on the air, but <laughs> I kind of want that statue. Uh, I, I got a door that I have to get a doorstop for, so I just might, you know, make it an Emmy. That'd be fun. Uh, all right. His name is Patrick J. Whalen. Actually, by the way, it does lay for accuracy. I just throw the J in there. There's no J anywhere near that name. I don't know why. Well, it, it's not my name, but it's what it says on Miami. Yeah. <laughs> it says it on his Emmy, so it must be true. His real name is Pat Whalen. He's very funny. I uh, can't. I'm so happy he's bringing the show back. Can't wait. And uh, hey, Mayor Brandon Johnson, be a guest on the Pat Whalen show. There we go. I threw that out there. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. All right. Thank you very much, Pat Whalen. Also, I want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace and love. And make sure you stay updated on what Ben Jarofsky's doing. Head to ChicagoReader.com to find Ben Jarofsky interviews, bonus interviews, columns, reading lists, and so much more. And if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's at Benny J Show. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.